Three, two. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to PC Perspective. This is podcast number 438 being recorded February 22nd, 2017. I'm Alan Momentano. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm the ghost of Ryan Trout. Yeah. Ooh, scary. Ooh, scary. Are, are, uh, are you guys still getting paid? Because I'm pretty sure he just moved on without you guys. He just left. And, and yeah. He, this is going on like three weeks. But now, I thought right? you were coming back to like be hired on to, to work and Apparently stuff. Apparently not, because it's just this just doesn't exist anymore as be, far as I'm concerned. Not, no, no paycheck for you? No. No paycheck for anybody? I'm sure I could find the, the you know, the QuickBooks, <laughs> the login and the information. And, yeah, I'll just. I'll just, you know, until just the money starts the running on. Yeah. I'll just start sending, sending out the checks. I'll pick it up. Yeah. We'll get, where's the Brian cardboard cutout? We'll we could just, just it, we could just sell all of this stuff and that'll make payroll for a little while. Right. Yeah. Here we go. You just, we'll just take, oh, here he comes. He just walked in the door. Yeah. It's, hey guys, it's, oh, hi, 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 Ryan. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Oh crap! All right. Uh, anyway, um, I'm not going to talk about the email address since you know Ryan's not alive to check it. Uh, PCPro.com/podcast. It's where you'll find the show notes for the show that we're doing, and the show notes for the previous shows, and the shows that are the previous shows, and all that stuff. Um, Twitter.com/slash Ryan Trout or Twitter.com/slash PCPer. For the info about like what's going on recently on the site, um, we have a spam list. That's not spam. You will get no spam on uh, pcpro.com/slash/subscribe. Give us your name, your email. We will shoot you an email when we are going to try to start the show. Unless, like you know, capture cards All and stuff. All the hardware blows up. Yeah, unless random hardware decides to die. It's a shame, too, because Alex has been, like, busting his butt to, to try to get this thing that's not Wirecast up and running, and, like, it was running, like, flawlessly, except for the fact that the capture card basically crapped itself. <laughs> and then in troubleshooting, we switched back to Wirecast, thinking that that would fix it, but it didn't, so then... Wirecast you know, fixes nothing. So, ever. technically, we probably could actually be using that other thing. I thought about that at some point, but... But then we're just... No, it's, no, no, no. Yeah. Too many variables. So, so if you're ever going to put on a show, this is the best part of the show to watch because you can see the millions of fail states that we encountered. Yeah. True. Yeah. And there's a new one every week. Yeah, basically. We pass the knowledge on to you. Uh, we hope that once we get a more reliable capture card in... <laughs> yeah. That um, things might go a little bit smoother in the future. Like r- removing the possibilities of wirecast crashes at random. Maybe if we just get a Zen powered machine, everything will be matched. Oh, uh, maybe, hold Matrox. on, we're not there yet. Wait, Matrox. <sighs> okay. Um. Next up, Patreon, patreon.com slash pcper, uh, where you can help contribute to us, uh, maybe um, affording the hardware to be able to <laughs> keep the stuff working properly. <laughs> it, we can uh. afford it. It just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, it's, ah, what a mess. Anyway, we're up and running, uh, so let's get through the week in review and the news and the other stuff before um, something else blows up at random. Or I um, take it. Yeah. Okay, uh, first item up for bid. Uh, Scott Michaud wrote up an uh, article on Vulcan one year later. Uh, 
who wants to talk about the Vulcan, the one year later? Bueller? Apparently it's been out for a year. It has. How many games? I'm sorry. How many games have shipped on it? Doom? Five? Um, Is it really five? They patched that one that one game. It was Doom uh, Ashes. Yeah, the robot puzzle game. Robot puzzle uh, protein. Damn it. What is that called? Okay, so I think you guys are making oh, the, the point. Talos principle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Talos, Talos principle, principle is the one I'm thinking. Uh, of. The ashes of um, the singularity. Singularity. Yeah. Doom. Yeah. Um, Doom was a big one. Doom was a good. Yeah, that's true. A very uh, good anything implementation. Anything done on of Unity, that. like anything done on Unity, could do it. Okay. They don't, but they could. And All right. So I mean, I mean, where does that put us? Like it was good. It was good, but not really came out like in a lot of places. Like what? I didn't, I'm surprised it was a year. And hey, Intel supports it. How many DX12 tiles do we have? Uh, Scabby Lake. Cabby Lake and Sky Lake. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we probably only have a couple more DX12 titles than that. There aren't a whole lot. Okay. DX12 has been out longer. So maybe it's more just uh, developers not wanting to switch over for something new. Or maybe DX11 is just good enough for I mean, what most people do. Yeah, to see any advantage out of DX12 and Vulcan, it requires a lot of development effort. That's yeah. something we've learned, whereas we kind of thought DX12 might be sort of a easy thing to benefit from in the beginning. We've slowly learned that it takes a lot of implementation to take advantage of the lower-level stuff in DX12. Well, the, the Doom guys sure seem to be able to implement that pretty quick. Weird. It can render well. <laughs> <laughs> it can develop an engine. <laughs> that's That's true. That's true. All right. Uh, well, moving right along. Next up, uh, Ryan took a look at the Eero Home Wi-Fi system, which is basically mesh, basically like a mini mesh network for your house. Which, you know, seems pretty cool. Uh, so he did an install at his house uh, of the system, and I'm trying to. I mean, he's talked about it on and off at the office. Um, that is not his house, by the way. Oh wait. Uh, that looks not like the office. The, the picture. Oh. Cut away. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. So fine. <laughs> he, <Yeah>. doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have the nice, awesome. Uh, he doesn't look roof. like uh, he lives in the Brady Bunch house. Yeah. Ryan is very into mid-century modern design. You drive down the street, Ryan Street, and, and you actually see like it's just cut away like that. There's just, you know. Just a big thing of plexiglass. Yeah. It's a big Big paint of plexiglass on the front of him. He case-modded his house. (laughs) Basically, yeah. That's how he rolls. Um, So he goes through the setup and the configuration. It looks like it has, you know, an iPhone app and lets you... The the idea here is that it's supposed to be painfully simple to get everything up and running, which is not the usual case for a wireless mesh network, might I add. So, you know, if these guys are able to get this just kind of working in a very simple manner... For people uh, that would make it worth the let's see you get three in a base package for what is the base price uh, I have the other prices so two packs for 349 
individually for one ninety nine. I don't see the price of the the tri- triple package that he's talking about. Anyway, um, hmm, automatic updates. Uh, he noted that there was no VPN. That's not his hand. And <laughs> is that not his, That's not his hand at all? His hand is way more reflective than that. Oh. Um, is he ha- hiring hand models now? That's why we can't have capture equipment. I guess. So you noted that there was no VPN, and he says uh, USB functionality. So there are USB 2 ports. Huh. And they're limited to diagnostic functions only. So you don't get, like, the, you know, plug a USB hard drive into your router style thing. I mean, you could, like, if you had a regular router and then t- piggybacked all of these off of it, but I don't think that's the point. No, that's definitely not the point. Yeah. Um, all right. Well. Well, what do you think of it? Uh, well, if you look at his bandwidth test there, uh, compared to an AC3200, I think he's getting a little bit more throughput. Maybe a bit more. I don't understand why he was getting so such a low. Uh, so what? So he's not testing. How far right away was he? The router. Yeah. How far away was he from the ASUS router? Oh wait, one of the hotspots is in the hallway, about fifteen feet away. Oh, okay. So this was like the bedroom. He's got a floor, and probably like there's no way he's got line of sight. Yeah, his bedroom's up on the second floor. So and his router is. While I mean, Ryan it's... was away, the builders secretly put in a Faraday cage in every room. <laughs> <laughs> so the way his house is laid out, he had uh, all of his like router stuff where his entertainment center stuff was, which was on the first floor, and kind of like on a diagonal of where their bedroom is, I think. So not only is it a second floor, but it's like you're cutting across the house as well. So, you know, he was getting, he was getting 13 megabit from the router before. And then just by having this mesh, which extends the network, you know, with, uh, you know, higher speeds, obviously, and you're closer to the thing, um, wherever you are on the house, uh, he w- it went from 13 to 287. So that's quite a few percentage. 2100% improvement. Problem is that spending a hundred, instead of spending like 120, 130, he's spending 450, 500. Okay, here's the price of the three pack. Three pack lists for five hundred. Yeah. But street prices go between four hundred and four fifty. And then what's there's the price on that Asus router right now? Uh, it's not cheap. Nah, it's like one twenty or one fifty, isn't it? Uh that, that router? It's at least two hundred bucks. Yeah, oh, is probably, it? yeah, it's like two hundred bucks. It's more expensive router. than I thought. Yeah, the thing that, is, that's, though, a, that's a very high end router, which is interesting. Well, you have to realize that I mean, it doesn't matter how high end the router is if it's just one router and you're trying to go through a bunch of stuff, right? So I mean, to some extent, right? Like yeah. more expensive routers generally have better range because they yeah, like have the power, better radio arrangements. Yeah, and this is a this is a tri-band router. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's two hundred bucks on Amazon right now. I mean, the other th- the other benefit I see from this, uh, if you've played with wireless repeaters, they're not necessarily the most consumer friendly product. Uh, you you literally actually have to set up IP addresses for them line them up uh, well you'd have to line these up somewhat as well but you don't have to screw around with the configuration like you do with a repeater and occasionally one of them barfs and you got to reset it and put everything back again 
these guys, you just punk, 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 done, more or less. All I right. can see an argument for the the extra cash, but on the other hand, to pick up two repeaters in that router, you you probably spend less. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I mean, th- this isn't the only mesh network option. I think he just got in the Google Wi-Fi. I think they just call it Google Wi-Fi, their mesh option. So yep. this is definitely something we're taking a look at. It's something that a lot of different companies are pushing in the market right now. So stay tuned for some comparisons to some similar products. Maybe not, don't go out and buy this one just yet if the whole mesh idea sounds good because we have some stuff up and coming with competitors. That'll be interesting to take a look at. All right, next up, uh, Sebastian took a look at the Logitech G213 Prodigy RGB gaming keyboard. So this is a, where'd the price go? This is a $70 keyboard. Um, It does not use cherry switches. It's using Logitech Mech Dome keys. So it's like a membrane. I guess... Four millimeter travel distance, fifty gram actuation force, quiet operation. Okay. Um, so and the the idea here is you're looking for a low cost RGB keyboard, and you know if you don't use cherry switches, that's a good way to knock the price down a fair amount. Um, what did he list for uh, pros and cons? Well, it's got RGB. That's definitely a con. Yeah. I mean, RGB, good. Um, he says it's uh, experience is very close to a mechanical option with those keys. Interesting. This is probably one of those things you just have to try in person to really understand, just like most of those keyboards. But Sebastian was impressed enough to give it a silver award, so uh, must be you know. I mean, I mean for the money. Yeah, if you're just just gaming, but I mean, if you're not. <laughs> not coding all day if you're not writing all day on your computer especially your desktop at home and you just play games on it maybe you use your laptop for everything else or your phone or whatever yeah you probably don't need a 150 dollar mx cherry keyboard probably not and something like this is i think 70 dollars probably still look a little expensive for that price range but it's going to be a very well-built thing looking at logitech's keyboards i mean they don't really cheap out on materials or anything so yeah be good option and you know the rgb stuff can be cool if you're not Jeremy and a Luddite. And it ended uh, if you have a Logitech mouse already, then you don't have to deal with trying to have the Corsair RGB keyboard software and the Logitech yeah, true. software all installed at the same time. And Yeah, the syncing, the stuff they do between their headsets, all their RGB products. Which, yeah. I mean, it's probably just everything at this point, right? Yeah, so you can have the color of the mouse matching the color of the keyboard. And- Still telling you between... Washable keyboard and glowing keyboard. I'm sticking with my washable one. <laughs> As a smoker, it's a good thing. All right. Uh, apparently, you can pre-order AMD Ryzen today. Now, let's talk about the Bulldog. The Bulldog? <clears throat> Wait, where, Ryzen. where are we? Who cares? Oh. Where are Ryzen? Um... Is it switched up in the rundown? No. 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 He's eating in the audio hard time. He's just trying to not talk about like the main story of the night. So yeah. okay. I wasn't expecting this when I went to the Amazon when I clicked through the Amazon page. You can still pre order at least the Ryzen 7 1700, which is why I clicked through. 
That seems unexpected to me. I expected them to sell out today. Uh, I think you like did. I, I do think Amazon put up the like single CPU bundles pretty late in the game today. Like they didn't necessarily launch them at one like other retailers. I think they had bundles listed at one with motherboards. But yeah, it looks like you can still pre order all of them on Amazon. Well, not the eighteen hundred X, so not the lead skew. Yeah, no lead skew went. All right. Anyways, Josh, tell us about Ryzen. Well, what do you want to know? I want to know why AMD, AMD is saying I should buy it without independent reviews. Well, <clears throat> that's a really good question. Uh, you know, they've been uh, <laughs> they've been trying to build up now. the hype for it, and this is just another way to kind of keep their name in the news. I guess uh, we we've got uh, you know in the next couple of weeks we're going to have uh, actual products on hand. People will be able to test it. Uh, they gave us out quite a few little, you know, benchmarks that they did in-house. Uh, you know, from those, they, 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 they compete well with what Intel has. And they undercut the prices of each Intel thing pretty spectacularly. Um, but I think it's interesting. I wonder how long they've been kind of stockpiling these chips. Uh, maybe they're just trying to guess at demand by, by sending up pre-orders. Um, I don't know the the thinking behind all of it. It's 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 interesting. I mean, we've been waiting for Ryzen for the past four years um, since we knew that uh, you know Bulldozer was going to be a dead end, and they needed to have a new architecture. <clears throat> they certainly did well with from what we see. Uh, even if there's a couple of you know, considering the amount of leaks that we've had, these benchmarks look more or less correct. Uh, they probably did kind of cherry pick uh, some of the some of the parts as well as the benchmarks that they do well in. But you know they're a company trying to sell their own products, um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see how much demand there actually was with this pre order, and how will that affect <clears throat> their future products, uh, such as an upcoming graphics card that we'll be hearing about sometime in the quarter. So I don't know what their their thinking is, but uh, it's like they're dipping their toe in the pool to see how warm the reception is before I don't know going skinny dipping and show it all off. So yeah, well, pre orders work. Yeah, in this marketplace right now, pre orders sell out like crazy, and I, I don't want to curse them because I honestly hope this goes at least as good as they're saying, if not better when pre-orders fail and it turns out to be utter and complete garbage or yeah, when we said you were getting it this year, we kind of meant next year. No one seems to care. They still pre-order stuff. It makes sense financially for AMD to get some money in their pockets. Uh, Cause right now they kind of desperately need it. I'm not a fan of them doing this, but I can totally understand financially why you would, because people are buying it. They've got built in demand. Because there are a lot of people who, you know, bought into Bulldozer and Piledriver and have kept these boards and CPUs going for a long time, waiting for the next big thing. And finally, we've got the next big thing. And I think the question that I have is how well the chipset is going to work. The, uh, what, the A320 or A300, uh, B350, and the X370. 
Uh, these are unproven parts, and uh, a bad Southbridge or bad I.O. can really doom a product. So the the rumor was that uh, who was producing these chipsets? It wasn't AMD or the design a- as media as media as media. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's that's so interesting. They've come a long it's way from a USB a long, controller. Well, it's been such a long time <laughs> since we've seen third-party chipsets, right? Well, like, it, I guess it isn't a third-party chipset because it's still the AMD chipset, but chipsets produced by third parties. That Well, technology is yeah. designed by third parties yeah. to be integrated yeah. in a chipset. Fair. Yeah. So looking at the the one benchmark we have from them, Cinebench, what do you think about the pricing? That's good. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, pricing. if we were only living but, in a Cinebench R15 world, I mean, that's all I ever do is Cinema 4D. So, I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, having eight cores, 16 threads running at that speed, uh, 3.6 to 4 gigahertz. And we haven't really even uh, tested the, uh, the X portion of it, which is what a Extreme frequency XFR. It's supposed to give you. It gives you like another point one or something, supposedly. Yeah, like another extra hundred or two hundred megahertz, depending on cooling. Yeah, and uh, power. Well, I mean, so that probably is being tested in these because they're just running Cinebench on a configured system, so it's probably doing that stuff because they probably have appropriate cooling on it. It was doing it at the demos at that event. Yeah, for it to hit that stuff, I'd imagine. But uh, the price for the top end chip of four ninety nine, if you're considering cores, threads, and overall performance, that's a really good deal as compared to the Intel sixty nine hundred K, which is eleven hundred bucks almost. Yeah, ten fifty. Yeah, so it's a big chunk of change, and uh, you're saving. You know, you can you can get a ten eighty nearly for what you save, and so you got the CPU, GPU, the price of just a CPU. And uh, I, I don't think that they're going to be as good in terms of IPC with single core and in some gaming situations, but it's going to be pretty dang close. And, uh, you know, AMD realizes this and they know that they can't charge $999 for yeah. their top end Ryzen SKU uh, in this kind of climate. And, you know, if, if you probably look at what Intel is selling at the 1600 level, it's probably not much. Because uh, for a lot of people, a 7700K is going to be more than good enough for their uses. Uh, those who are looking to build a uh, you know a, a low priced rendering machine or video editing or you know sound editing, something that will utilize all of those cores and threads, then AMD is has just brought in an outstanding product. Well, from what we think, yeah. Uh, at that price point for people who, who will actually utilize it in these, in these type of circumstances. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not necessarily that we think there'll be anything misleading when we actually benchmark these parts. It's just that they will have better multi-core perform, better performance in multi-threaded applications for the price as compared to Intel. And they will lose in single threaded applications for the price. Yep. Right. Like that's, that, that's exactly how this is going to work out. And the real question is, what work thro- what 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 workloads in the real world that people actually use are multi-threaded versus single-threaded? Sound fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. I, I mean, uh, 
I wish we can go into some of the other things. I mean, and not so much stuff that that uh, has been leaked or or that we have under NDA, but um, you know, we've been given some specifics about die size and transistor counts, and and how AMD has uh, packed in a whole lot of transistors as compared to what Intel has uh, in in smaller die size than uh, what we see with the uh, i seven sixty nine hundred K. Um. There's a lot to go over, and I'm sure in the next two weeks, uh, we're going to be talking about it more and more. Well, I mean, now we know March 2nd, so. Yep. Well, that's when they'll be available. Yeah. So, so we'll miss next week's podcast. But I think we might have a video, so you should, you should stay tuned for that, and probably a very extensive article to go along with it. Sweet. You might even see Ryan. Ah, um, maybe. maybe cardboard Ryan. I don't think actual Ryan. Is, is. Hmm. All right. Well, Ryan's hopefully uh, probably coming back with some samples to test. So, well, you know, we'll know soon. And we actually have motherboards, AM4 motherboards in retail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, though, are showing up on the 7th. So some people are going to have... A chip. Oh no, that'd be the worst. Five days. That'd be so bad. <laughs> it was. You know, they can, just, they can just sit there and look at it. I guess. Just shine your polish. It does have. The, it does have that that very nice looking Ryzen laser yeah. etch into the CPU. More you'll already be like lapping it and stuff. Yeah, you know, not after you spend a week lapping yeah. it. Yeah, he needs time to do that to break that that die. Uh, what do we want to do next? Do we want to go next in the rundown or next on? I mean, I think we can probably just quickly mention the other Ryzen entries we have in the rundown. Uh, like Josh mentioned, there are a bunch of way to ruin Josh's segue. Yeah. Well, we, okay, so we can cover the BioStar motherboard, which is right here. Was anyone aware um, that BioStar still existed? I was not. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I mean. It's not a terrible looking board. It's no, not great. no. I, I was I, I was pleasantly surprised that. Yeah, I'm just surprised that they're still making boards because yeah. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Uh, you know, still there for mid range. Yeah, they're definitely. It used to be the oh. bomb when the Nvidia chipsets were around. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're using the inexpensive ones. They're yeah. using uh, the digital uh, power phase stuff, the Pow IR stages. That that's pretty cool. Yeah. I know Gigabyte was touting that as a long time as they were kind of the exclusive people for, for the digital VRM stuff. So now there's they're not that exclusive anymore. Yeah, I imagine. And if you like LEDs, it's got LED it J, DJ mode. So your lights will dance. Oh, man. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then there's already a bunch of Ryzen-powered PC pre-orders up in various places around the interweb. Uh, yeah, I grabbed a few of them. Uh, going from main gear, that it's it's a computer. Yep. <laughs> but I mean, the, starting at uh, just under a grand with a 470 paired with it, all of them have H60 coolers except for the very top end one, which has got uh, a custom hydro cooling on it. They're more of the solid. It's going to work for you, and they should be shipping on the second. You got main gear, which uh, have been going all out for a while and are on this one as well. So everything's water cooled. Essentially, you're choosing you want. Uh, well, you can choose air cooling if you want. I can't imagine why you would with these guys because they'll either do soft tubes or hard tubes for you. 
Oh, so that's nice. Yeah, if you're spending twenty five hundred, you can ask for hard tubes and get a really nice looking system and decently powered. Uh, Origin is a they're sort of not exceptional, but better than say certain gaming software. <laughs> and with the, the they're just sort of basic. Uh, The one I was interested in was NCIX, who listed a couple of pre-builds, but also have a very long list of motherboards, uh, B350s and X370s, and a bunch of the coolers that will be AM4 compatible. So it's worth at least clicking through on that one, just sort of look if you're planning on building your own. And yes, that uh, fancy-looking platinum, uh, but it's got two uh, M.2 slots in it. Well, most a lot of the uh, X three seventies do, yep. and one of them it's is impressive. A but yeah, it's nice. Uh, you know, something to worth noting is is remember that uh, most X three seventy boards will not have any kind of um, video output because the, the assumption is that they're primarily going to be used with Ryzen chips, which have no internal GPU. So keep that in mind. Thinking you don't need a video card with Ryzen or you get a B350 and try to hook up video with a Ryzen chip, it's just not going to work. Yeah, that that Thank is you. that is kind of unfortunate. We've been so used to, like, not necessarily building a system around something like a 7700K with integrated graphics, but the ability to troubleshoot using the onboard GPU when you might be mm-hmm. having issues with your motherboard and your PCI Express slots or your video card. That kind of sucks. So maybe keep around that old cheap video card you have that you know works just for troubleshooting purposes. Oh, and I, I forgot there was someone who caught in the comments, uh, specifically the Origin ones. They, they kind of mentioned, at least when I was posting, that they've got one overclocked to 5.1 gigahertz. I, I, they seem to have since removed it, but <laughs> it was there. I think they were showing 5.1 gigahertz at the event from some of the videos I was watching today that people posted from the press event that Ryan was at. I think 5.1 is, is the number I've seen for that stuff, which would be very nice. Very nice. All right. Uh, now we can do the bulldog. Unless we want to talk about Ryzen anymore. You know what you could... Well, you couldn't really put Ryzen a Bulldog very easily because it's a bare bones with an Intel motherboard. Mm, that's I mean, you could. You could, if you really wanted to. Okay. Um, so, we did a video perspective. Actually, Ryan did on uh, the Corsair Bulldog. Uh, and, you know, it's we saw this at CES, I believe, right? We Did we write anything up on it at CES? Yeah. Oh, we might not have. Um, basically it's a home theater PC designed system. It's like, uh, it comes with a Z270 board. Um, all the, all the fans that you would need for the build. Basically you just add, you know, the other CPU, RAM, GPU, uh, to this system and, you know, away you go. Basically, uh, it looks nice. It does have a glossy front panel, which I'm kind of like, eh, about glossy plastic is yeah, but I mean, in theory, if this is sitting below your TV, it shouldn't really be touched that often. Yeah. You wipe it down with a microfiber cloth every once in a while. Yeah. It's like a game console in that respect that they have glossy front. At least the Xbox has a glossy front. That's true. Yeah, a lot of the game consoles do that. 
Um, so Ryan did this, uh, you know, slapped this build together. Uh, system ran reasonably quiet. And then uh, we have an LG B6 uh, 65-inch OLED TV in the office we were trying out. So we hooked the bulldog up to that. And we were playing that Resident Evil game in HDR. I can't, just, I can't do survival horror, man, especially at 65 inches. 65 right in inches, my face. like that you're sitting like, you know, three feet from. No, I can't do it. Um, in the dark. Not for me. Alone. Yeah, not the, for me. At night. Yeah, well, no. no, we we had the lights off. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, in the if office, you're going to go course. that far, you got to have the yeah. lights off. Um, uh, and random people knocking at the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we did, uh, actually, somebody in the comments mentioned, hey, did you do the the lag patch? For H for HDR on the TV, and although we were looking at it, and like it didn't seem to have that much input lag in HDR mode without mm-hmm. that patch, but apparently it it doesn't auto update to the most recent firmware. You have to like intentionally download it to USB huh. and do the update manually if you want to do. Because the only thing it does is adds game mode for HDR. Interesting. I wonder if that kind of breaks something along the way or it might have potential potential to break something so they didn't push it to everything maybe it's just a risk management thing like every time you push out firmware you're risking like bricking some some sets right so so if they only added game mode to that yeah you know it's like we're not going to massively push this out you probably know if you want it yeah because you if you're buying a oled 4k hdr display for gaming you've probably done a little bit of research hopefully Did look freaking amazing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and will, th- th- this, this, that was like the perfect use case to show off this system. Something you need a lot of GPU horsepower for a brand yep. new game at 4K. I mean, HDR doesn't really add that much overhead to game rendering. But I don't know if Ryan put this in a video, but we did notice a couple of spots where a couple of scenes where like you had sky with like, with a slight gradient, and you can actually see some banding in colors. You can only see it in HDR mode. Yeah, you couldn't see that banding. You know, in regular, uh, in non-HDR mode. So, but it was only like very subtle in a couple spots. And I think Ryan and I just kind of concluded that maybe the engine was just doing it because the engine yeah, had I mean, you know so much. It's, it's still the guy such who did new the skybox is now getting beaten. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, so I mean, you know, cool looking system. Yeah, uh, the, what the, was what was the price? It's three ninety nine for the bare bones, which is the case, motherboard, and CPU cooler. It's a it's a liquid. CPU cooler, I yep. believe. Yep. That's that's not bad. No. I mean, it's not you get a Z270 motherboard. I think it's like a MSI OEM board that's Corsair branded that yeah. it has a decent amount of features. Uh, it's a nice case. Get a uh, 600 watt power supply, I think, and a cooler. I mean, 399 is not bad for that. Just add in uh, a Skylake or Cabby Lake, some RAM, and a GPU, and whatever storage you have. Yeah. Not too bad. I mean, it can be well under a thousand dollars for a decent system. Maybe if you don't go seventy seven hundred K, ten eighty. There is a two and a half inch bay and what looks like a single three and a half inch bay. Yeah, I don't remember how many drives it supports. I think it might support more than that with some sort of hidden, kind of more hidden yeah, there mounting might be a, features. Might be a compartment. Or you can something. run three two and a halves or one two and a half and a three and a half. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. It's it's still a little taller than i would really want in a home theater pc it it is it's about it's about the height of a high-end avr receiver so like a 5.1 or 7.1 or whatever 
modern that, receiver. It's the height of an iPhone uh, 6S Plus. <laughs> Helpful. <laughs> but it just it wouldn't fit in any of the cubbies I have in my entertainment system. So it's well, kind no, of no, you store it underneath your lap dog. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a lot of things I heard when people were reviewing that video was that it's a large machine for an HTTP. Yeah, it is. When you see stuff like some of these smaller ITX cases, like the N-Case M1 that we took mm-hmm. a look at, you there are definitely people being way more aggressive on that sort of form factor with full-size GPUs that I would be more geared towards, but... It's it's a fairly compelling package. Yeah, it, it went together really well. Yeah, there was there was a little bit of a hitch with getting the card in. Yeah. Um it required a little bit of Tetrising. Besides that, it just yeah. slammed right. But together. I mean, that was a water cooled GPU in there too, yep. right? It was a self contained water cooled Hydro 1080 in there. So yep. you have a water cooled CPU and GPU and something that might be able to fit in your AV cabinet. That's not bad, especially for four hundred bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next up, Qualcomm announces Snapdragon X20 LTE modem. Am I in the right place? Yeah. Yep. Um, yet another faster <laughs> way to jam bits across the airwaves, basically. As Ken smacks the mic with... I got like three laptops in front of me I'm trying to use. Give me a break. With furious anger. Uh, I haven't read this, unfortunately. No. Oh, wait. No, this is the one Ryan was talking about, like, mm-hmm. a while back. Yeah. Quam 256. What did we decide uh, cable modems are doing currently? They do, they do Quam 256. Only? Over, over copper. They only, like, they aren't at 512? Uh, no, it's like multiple channels, I think. Like, okay. I think, I think Doxus 3 is like, well, depending on what modem you have, like, the more recent modem that I got for to for after my upgrade to support like higher than I think two hundred megabit or something it supports like six hundred and fifty megabit or something. Yeah. And it's like eight channels of like two fifty six, clamp fifty six, right, or something <laughs> like that. Um, but you got to realize that's over copper. This is doing this over the air. Yeah, from like a cell tower. That's pretty amazing. That is impressive. Like you need extreme precise timing going on on both ends it's a lot of modulation you got going on there yeah yeah and nowhere in there does it say 5g at all they're just going off of 4g lte just making it better like like and if you don't know what quam is you have i would recommend just going to like wikipedia and looking at the article or something like that because it's just there's a lot of detail there not the bivalve you're basically doing very very (laughs) precise very slight shifts in like the polarity basically yeah it, the dilithium it's, crystals. yeah yeah you're reversing it's, it's the polarity of the dilithium it's, it's crazy it's crazy it, it really is well maybe polarity is the wrong word but like yeah you're doing just ugh. uh remember when we were originally uh promised uh thunderbolt when it was lightning and so they were doing different phases of light and it would come over the same link yeah it's not exactly the is. same but it's it's a metaphor yeah no that's a good analogy to it um, you know, it's just it's just ways to get more stuff crammed over a specific, you know, frequency. So, uh, I'm just shocked to see that being used over that. So, 100 megabits per second per stream. 
so that's crazy. It's like seriously crazy. Um, it's also it does, a ten nanometer chip. Uh, yeah, there's that. There's that going too. So uh, so 100 megabits per second per stream. It'll do 12 streams. Mm-hmm. That's insanity. 1.2 gigabits. Yeah. Over the air from yeah. like a cell tower. Witchcraft. Uh-huh. You get the scales. I'll get the duck. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> that Put really that in the middle crazy. of Levi Stadium. See how well it does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so what you have to realize is like the faster you can go, the smaller your slices are. So potentially that might do better in a stadium compared to the previous, you know, previous iterations. The problem is you need more people to be on these cutting on, edge on devices. The cutting edge devices. Yeah. Although, I mean, the spec, I'm, I'm pretty sure the spec allows for like, you know, the different time slices. Basically it would tell, you know, if, if you're one of the phone, the older phones in the stadium, right. It just tells you, well, wait this long before you talk to the tower again, but then you could potentially fit more chunks of those newer devices in the gap. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it might not it. You probably would be a wash for, you know, for for the person on the solar phone. But we don't care about them. We don't. We don't. Huh. Um. That's just that's insane. That's insane. Yeah. Uh. You know, it's technology marches on with this kind of stuff. Things yeah. just get faster and faster. Yeah. Ten nanometer fin fets. Yeah. And a cell phone radio. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the carrier side is the slower part of all of this. Modem tech is well, the, is over the first. here. Well, I mean, head over to modem, Europe, the and they're already comes, screwing with stuff like this. Yeah, the modem yeah. generally comes out before the carriers support the features, which makes sense, obviously. Yeah, but they're saying uh, con- consumer devices in the first half of 2018, so probably the Galaxy S9 at that point. Yeah. And I would imagine that FinFit is probably partially responsible for being able to go up to that high of a quam. Like, it's not necessarily what your megahertz or gigahertz or whatever your frequency is, right? It's like the have to have such a level of precision on the switching, on the timing, when that switching takes place, right? And how fast it is. So hmm. they're probably running up against, like, you know, regular older FET limits, as far as like how much data they could cram across the transmitter and the receiver, so I guess that makes sense. It's it's entirely okay. possible, yeah. Because FinFets, you know, have very very fast switching. So yeah. Okay. Uh, what's next? Uh, next is QT. What is QT? The QT company announces QT 3D Studio. QT. Who are these people? Uh, Scott wrote this. Time. Scott wrote this, so it probably has something to do with video rendering. No, uh, no, yeah. QT. Alex can probably explain this best, but QT is essentially a framework that sits on top of C plus plus that allows you to create graphical interfaces. Is that a mm-hmm. fairly safe assumption? Yeah, no. it, it's a, it's a cross platform framework. Yeah. you could you could write to QT and then build it for Windows, Linux, mobile. And in theory, it just works. Yeah. Oh, cool. So that you end up with like a Linux port of something having this god awful crap GUI. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, part of the issue with QT is that they're all kind of god-awful, but they're the same god-awful across uh, right. all of the Wonder, operating Wonder. systems. Wonderful. This is interesting, this QT 3D Studio, because it is something that NVIDIA contributed to the project, and it's sort of the tools they've been using to build out their autonomous driving interface stuff. Okay. So if you watch this video, you can kind of see them quickly building out an, like maybe a car interface. So it's sort of bringing these more advanced 3D design tools to QT apps, which is definitely an area where a lot of QT developers could use a lot of help and kind of have easier tools and access to this sort of stuff as things get a little more advanced. So it's full-blown 3D rendering going on in a GUI. Mm-hmm. Yes. Huh. It's a far cry from buttons. Now, I, I also believe that QT announced support for Vulkan recently. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when they said that was in there, but that's something... Yeah, QT oh, joined Kronos uh, reading the day Vulcan launched. The article, they joined Kronos Group when Vulcan launched. Well, it says... They're, they're still working on it. Yeah, it says 5.10, which I think is will be pretty close. I think they're close to 5.10 on QT currently. Huh. Uh, very end of 2017 or early 2018 is when they're estimating. Oh, it's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, QT apps tend to be a little slow. On the on the rendering side, <laughs> well, I mean, it. There are trade offs when you're are. making something that's universal. Speed is generally a trade off, but it is very nice to have one code path for that stuff. Cool, cool stuff. All right. Uh, well, hasn't crashed yet. Oh, why, why would you say that? Don't Let's keep going, it, man. Well, because you know we're just at the hardware software picks of the week. So uh, if that does happen, then our pick is not um, any of the things we're using. How about that? <laughs> Jeremy, what you got? I'm on nothing. <laughs> uh, actually, pretty damn decent price on a PCIe 4 uh, NVMe M.2 for Canada. Getting 512 gigs for 339 bucks with an extra 10 bucks off is not bad at all. Oh. Uh, what does that work out to? <laughs> it, it doesn't meet Ryan's pricing. It's 60 cents, but, 66 cents a gig. It's kind yeah, of on, what's, that, what's that in real dollars? I mean, that's kind uh, of on the high Significantly side. less. <laughs> no, oh, it's 66 Canadian cents oh, per gigabyte. Canadian yeah. cents this per is Kanakistan. Yeah. So not only is it not just a direct... Uh, so it's what dollars, three dollars of that, essentially. There is a premium. Uh, there are taxes. There are oh. there's benefits to living in Canada. There's some drawbacks as well. But hey, you're about to get a new AMD system. You're going to need a four by PCI Express M.2 MDME. This MAP is not a bad choice. And then you got to convert the gigabytes to metric and all the other stuff to figure it out for over there. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. It makes it bigger up here. Ah, uh, I see. I see. All right, cool. Uh, Josh. Me. <clears throat> A little uh, throat clearing for you. Uh, this may be shocking, but it's a medium-priced AM4 motherboard. It's the uh, Asus uh, X370 Pro, well, the Prime. Looks like a nice, well-rounded unit. Did I say that in the nicest way possible? Uh, color is fine. Doesn't look like it's overwhelmed with RGBs. 
It's got plenty of I.O. features. Two M.2 ports, I believe. And, uh, yeah, it's got all the other goodies, like better audio, and you've got USB 3.1 throughout. Looks like plenty of power phases, though we haven't heard anything about the new powering of these Ryzen processors compared to FM2+. Plus. What has changed? Uh, that'll be nice to hear. Maybe we should have asked Ryan about that when he was being talked to by AMD. But anyway... Uh, 159 bucks for a brand new board that, uh, you know, has not seen the light of day. It's not horrible. Uh, just refresh my memory. Have previous AMD chipsets, like, paralleled the Intel chipset number? Because this, there's like Z170, Z270, and X370. That's confusing as heck, potentially. Well, it's okay. People. Intel processors are now mimicking AMD processors. They are? You've never had an AMD 2600? Oh. A couple of generations <laughs> back. Okay. All right. Well, as long as I keep with the X and don't put a Z on there, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is still kind of confusing, though, because like the, there are other versions of 270 that's not a Z. Like, there's H270. Yep. There's, uh, there's, there's, what, B... B three fifty, B three fifty, or the other X three hundred is the ITX chipset, right? Man, it's just yeah. all right. Well, anyway, uh, next up is me. Uh, I have been doing a lot of like random coding lately, and uh, this site has been pretty dang handy. SS sixty four dot com. They have different categories of basically all everything, like database scripting, OS scripting, like, you know, PowerShell, OS ten, like, literally batch scripting or, like, batch for Linux. And you can go into any of those categories, and then within the category, you just get a dump of, like, what would be a programmer's reference of, like, basically all of the commands. And all of them are links. And each link from what I've seen so far, is usually a pretty detailed description all the way down to, in most cases, like, examples of code. Um, you could just keep deep linking Yeah, you can basically just keep... Yeah, you just kind of keep going. Well, that's related. But yeah. Yeah, there's, there's lots and lots and <laughs> lots of stuff there. Um, very, very handy. Uh, and there's even, like, a built-in Ooh, search. passwords. And there's passwords. Uh, password generator. Extra strong version. Where did you find a password generator? It says passwords. Oh, oh, at the bottom. Interesting. I probably shouldn't show my passwords on the stream. Oh. Mm. Oh, CSS. There you go. Extra strong version. All right. Anyway, uh, that's what I got. What do you uh, got, Ken? I'm going to have Alex cut away while I pull up the website for mine oh. because I am woefully unprepared. <laughs> womp, womp. You didn't uh, put your pick in the show notes. No. Yeah, I just came up with it. Uh, That's okay. He put his passwords on the screen. So came up with it literally well, seconds it, before. Well, yeah. If your password is one two three four, you got bigger problems. Yeah, with what, your luggage. What, what? What problems? Luggage problems. Oh, yeah, fair. Uh, so, as you may have noticed over the years, I have this eleven-inch MacBook Air. Cut, uh-huh. back, cut back to the camera, Alex. Oh, this one, the refurb. Yeah, I have an 11-inch MacBook Air. It's a 2013 model. I reviewed it when it came out on PCPro.com. Uh-huh. Uh, and I really like the form factor. Uh, don't like OS X as much these days. I think they've done a lot of 
stuff kind of bring in iOS elements I haven't liked. And uh been kind of looking for a new computer because the battery on this thing is totally shot. It's like 50% of the original capacity. Lovely. And one of the machines I've really liked over the years is the Dell XPS 13, which is what Ryan uses. Uh-huh. It's a pretty moderately priced machine. I think it's like $1,100 for the config I'd want with the i5, 1080p screen, and 256 gigs of storage. It might actually be a little less than that. However, if you've spent any time on Dell's outlet site, you can know how awesome that is. And if Alex will cut to the screen capture here. I'm allowed to now? Yeah. (laughs) You can see uh, stock on these changes a decent amount. But if you go ahead and look at like the i5-7200U, the Cabby Lake, brand new SKU, uh, with 128 gig M.2 SSD, 8GB memory here, the 1080p display, is $750. And that is a fantastic deal on a laptop. It's one of the best PC laptops you can buy with most of the specs you need. You might want to put a new SSD in there if 120 gigs isn't enough for you, but it just has an M.2 slot that could take SATA or PCIe. So you can just take off the back and you can do that. And $750 is pretty good. Uh, I've seen a couple pop up with like the 256 gig storage option for like 780 so... If you're interested in one of these, keep an eye out. But Dell Outlet is always an awesome resource if you're looking for desktops, laptops, monitors. They have great deals. Their refurbs are great. And yeah, I would highly recommend checking it out. I might end up with an XPS 13 here soon. We'll see. Oh, you know what it was? I just found it. What I thought was going to be an awesome pick, but I couldn't find it. You should probably save that for next week. Uh, it's going to be cutting it close. Look at when it ends. <laughs> Just mention it. It's fine. It ends Thursday. All right. So uh, we talked about this a year or two ago. There was this OBI thing, a little box you plug into your network, and then you plug a phone into it, and it connects you to Google Voice. I thought they were discontinuing okay. that. They discontinued the all the 100 series and the 110 series hmm. that they're not going to support anymore, like soon. So I got an email recently that says, hey, uh, we're going to end support for these, but we have the newer box we're selling. And Oh, that's convenient. Well, true, but they'll give you they'll give you 10 bucks off, and the box is only 50 bucks in the first place, so you get it for like 39 bucks hmm. um, through Amazon, and there's an Amazon promo code. So if you look up the OB200, OBI200 on Amazon, which, it's your only hope, which should be going, yes, which should be going for a like 50 bucks or so 47.97 oh it's even cheaper uh it's ob deal 2 is the promo code so if you add it to your cart and then you apply the promo code obideal2 then you get it for like less than 40 bucks and it's basically just a you know they're they're flat out like branding it with Google Voice on the front of it now. Yeah. Like, they're not even... Well, they say it supports for, for other services as well, and I was just kind of curious if they yeah, list any it, of those. and it initially did support, like... Like, Google Voice was, like, the secondary feature. Yeah. And it initially supported... I forget what the other VoIP thing was. It, it might have been their so. own... It might have been their own thing. Like, their yeah, own I think it's something... SIP. Was it? I think it's SIP, which oh, okay. is kind of the standard mm-hmm. protocol for VoIP stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, this one... You know, just yeah. straight up Google Voice thing that'll be supported for. Oh, okay. Google Voice 
Envio, Phone Power, and VoIPMS. I've never heard of any of those. So basically, but, Google Voice. are a bunch of free uh, SIP services. Well, it, probably. Yeah, it's nice to see that it supports other services because, I mean, over the however many years, Google has been so fleeting about whether or not it's going to shut down Google Voice. Yeah, like they just I know. issued app updates in the, for the first time in like four years, so maybe they won't at this point. But yeah. It's very kind of uh, – I wouldn't want to tie things completely to Google Voice. For for $50, it's not bad. And the idea that it can support other SIP services and you would have a way out yeah. of Google Voice is it, it, kind of cool. But, I mean, just you know, just compare that to you know, $40 that you pay one time and Google Voice numbers are free. You know, com- yeah. Compared to whatever you're paying. If you're paying something – Zero. Well, if you're paying something monthly for a phone that you actually want in your house, just replace it with this thing. You know, it's kind of like the whole leasing the cable modem from the cable company versus buying your own modem, right? You buy the modem, so you're not well, paying the paying the five bucks a month or whatever, and just, then within a year it pays for itself, right? Just don't so. have a don't have a phone. I'm just well, very disappointed yeah. that the deal is an OBD two yeah. in reference to that cutscene we never saw from Star Wars. <laughs> Unless unless you have a house where you don't have cell service, then I can definitely see where something like this would be nice. But yeah, if you already have a cell phone and you already have cell service, well, some people still want like oh like a landline. Like you know, if you got why if you got kids that are younger and they don't have cell phones, yeah, yeah, but right? young kids which is don't a thing. need to talk on the phone. Well, you know, but if they do, they could talk on the Google Voice. Phone, yeah, like, yeah, as long as they want. Who cares? Anyway, that's all I got. Um, Again, pcpro.com slash podcast will you find the show notes, all the stuff we talked about. Um, Twitter.com slash pcpro. And with that, I'm Alan Mamantano. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrus. <laughs> and I'm Ken Addison. Good night. If you enjoyed this content, consider supporting in-depth technical content by contributing at patreon.com slash pcpro.